Welcome to A Better Way Financial Radio with Frank and Nick Guida. Nick, I kind of wanted to go back to the debate that we had, the last debate, the I guess the the more civil one. Much more pleasant. It was uh, much more pleasant. I, I do agree with that. And I wanted to play this this audio clip of Trump and Biden, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit after this. If he's elected, the stock market will crash. Okay, let's move on to the next question the very quickly. Look, the idea that the stock market is booming is his only measure of what's happening. Where I come from in Scranton and Claymont, the people don't live off of the stock market. Just in the, uh, just in the last three, uh, three years during this crisis, the, the billionaires in this country made, according to the Wall Street, seven hundred billion more dollars. Okay, uh, Nick, what do you what do you get from that? It, it sounded pretty civil, but uh, of course, you know it's a debate. They're going back and forth. Your thoughts? Basically, Trump wants to paint the picture that the sky is going to fall if Biden <laughs> wins the election, that the markets are going to crash, that uh, everybody's going to lose their homes, everyone's going to be homeless, you know, this, this kind of thing. It, it's just it's grandiose. You know, it's grandstanding. It's not um, it's not something that I think is plausible. Uh, I think it's just kind of utilizing fear as a tactic uh, to to reach the base, to rile them up. But uh, but really, historically, when there is a change in power like that in presidential power here in the United States, typically there is not, you know, a major meltdown, in, you know, in the stock market. And, you know, historically that just hasn't proven to be the case. Not to say that you know, anything can happen in the future, but uh, but there has been, you know, you take a look at the last example during the Obama years of eight years. I mean, the stock market did and had a bullish eight years there, you know, yeah. for the most part. Now that was attributed to a lot of quantitative easing that happened throughout that administration as well, because they inherited kind of this, uh, this recession session from uh, the 2008 mortgage crisis. Uh, and then they put a lot of, you know, regulations in on, on the banks. But unfortunately, uh, they bailed out the banks rather than the people who were living in those homes. But that's just how the, the cookie crumbles uh, a lot of times, you know, in the government here. Unfortunately, you know, people are, are going to have to kind of deal with whatever comes their way themselves and to be self-reliant and, you know, is the most important thing that people can do going forward for their own personal protection. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I wanted to touch on too is you mentioned this a little bit earlier in the show and we talk about it a lot is taxes. You know, Biden's got his tax plan. Trump has his tax plan. Whether which one you you like or you don't like, what's going to be beneficial for you, we have to deal with this. But let me get your, your views on the going ahead with taxes. I mean, taxes under a Biden administration will likely go up. You know, I know he continues to talk all the time about a $400,000. If you make less than $400,000 of taxes, $400,000 of income, your taxes won't go up. Right. You know, when I study his uh, his tax bills and his uh, his policies, that is just not true. Uh, you know, that might be true on a joint and individual income tax basis, but it's not true when it comes to capital gains that he's looking to lift, which affects everybody. He's looking to in- implement a brand new tax on all transactions in the market, no matter how much money you might have in the market. So he's talking about lowering the estate tax down from about $10 million down to about $1.2 million, which kind of hits middle America right between the eyes. So you don't have to necessarily make more than $400,000 to get to that $1.2 million estate, which is including all of the money and the houses and the property and everything else. You know, so I don't think that if you're voting solely based upon how this election is going to affect your wallet, most people are going to vote for Trump. You know, if you 
are looking at it multifaceted, if you are looking at it dynamically, there might be other topics as well, aside from just how it's going to affect you from a, a financial perspective. That you know, let's say someone might lean socially liberal, for instance, and they may, might make those choices based upon that rather than their fiscal choices. So everybody is going to make their decisions a little bit differently as to what they prioritize as being the most important things to them first and foremost, and then going forward. You know, I mean, there's, you know, foreign policy, which in both of these debates, I haven't heard any good questions or any good responses about foreign policy, which is shocking to me because mm -hmm. how we look on the world stage and, and what we're doing, uh, you know, feeding the military industrial complex, for instance, you know, is a major problem to have over 50% of our federal budget going towards the military, you know, and making bombs and everything else that they do and dropping them all over the world. I, I, this is this is something that, you know, should be a high priority topic going on in these debates in, in here in America. But, you know, it seems to be, you know, something that has just dragged on for so many years that it's becoming less important. So some of the things that we're doing here at our office for people who don't necessarily want to spend a ton of money on taxes, knowing that over 50% of it goes to the military industrial complex. Uh, we're showing ways to be able to do charitable giving so that it lowers their tax liability. Because when you can start shifting some of that tax money over to the charities of your choice, and you find ways to be able to finagle that, you know, monetarily and, and do the right paperwork with your CPA and have your financial advisor help you. Those are things that are really important to be able to learn how to do charitable giving with tax preferred dollars rather than just writing checks out of your checking account towards whatever causes you like. But learning how to do that using pre-tax money, that money that otherwise you would have been giving to taxes, you know, there are ways to uh, get really creative in that way and so that you can park money and give people, give those types of nonprofit organizations the, the money rather than necessarily, you know, feeding it all to, you know, taxes. So these are some of the things that we help people to do as well. Yeah. If you need a tax strategy, that's, that's great because I, I never would have thought about that, about charitable giving as a good tax saver for yourself. I I just automatically assume that I got to pay my percentage and and that's that. I guess the more you make, the more you can give to charity. Like these people that are running multi-million dollar companies, that is a, a great way to save taxes, right? Yeah. I mean, even on a lower scale, really, you know, you don't necessarily have to have, uh, you know, own some huge company to be able to be a big giver to charity. There are ways, you know, even on a much smaller scale to be able to donate to charity. For one, I mean, you can utilize required minimum distributions, you know, that are going to be starting up again next year, and you can donate those to charity if you wanted to, or you can donate a part of those to charity, and it'll still satisfy hmm. that required minimum distribution. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it is by itemizing your deductions. So usually people just take the standard deduction, unless you're going to give north of you know, about $24,000, $25,000 a year of, of money to, let's say, a charity, for instance. Mm -hmm. If you're going to give more than that, then it makes sense to itemize your deductions and be able to give them to uh, give money to charity rather than the government. And, you know, because the government hasn't really proven to be stewards of uh, good stewards of my money. <laughs> so I'm sure that other people feel the same way. If you're not happy with, um, you know, with a bloated federal government and you're looking to instead give, you know, more money to charity and less money to the government, then we probably should have a conversation about how you can do that structurally. Find out more at a better way financial.com. 
Investment advisory services offered through a BetterWay Financial LLC, a registered investment advisor. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. A BetterWay Financial is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Frank and Nick Guida. NPN Insurance License Number 1978362 and Number 1636478.